0: Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this morning, the Old Testament reading from Numbers 21, especially verse 5. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this narrative, this reading before us today is extremely significant. Jesus teaches us What it means in his conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter three, Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the son of man himself, Jesus, must be lifted up that all who believe in him will be saved. And then he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The bronze serpent on the pole is a picture of Jesus and a marvelous picture that it is. But there is another place in scripture that our account here today from Numbers 21 is referenced in. And it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And it's much more sobering. And it's much more challenging. 1 Corinthians 10, in most of our English translations, has a subtitle that says, Warning Against Idolatry. First Commandment stuff. Fear, love, and trust in God above all things stuff. And the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says these words, For I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. And now verse nine. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come therefore let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. What was the sin of the children of Israel against God and against Moses recorded for us in Numbers 21? Well, they were impatient. Verse 4 says, They grumbled and complained, against God and against Moses. First Corinthians 10 says, they put Christ to the test. They put the Lord to the test. They tempted God. Usually when we think about temptation, it is a temptation that I have to commit a particular sin. A sin of thought, word, or deed. But God's Word also talks about the sin of tempting God. You ever thought about that? The sin of tempting God, putting God to the test. Tempting God by our words and our actions. What does that mean? How in the world do we tempt God? Well, here's one way I want what I want, and I want it now. And if I don't get it now, it's God's fault when we do that we tempt God we tempt God when we stay away from God's house because we don't need to be fed on a regular basis I got this covered I'm in pretty good shape we tempt God when things are going well and we fail to give him thanks and him credit For the gifts that he showers down upon us. There is no situation in our life, good or bad, that the devil, the unbelieving world around us, or our own sinful flesh, that old Adam that lives inside of us, can't use to tempt us to tempt God. Whenever we don't get our way, Whenever we blame God, whenever things are, are going bad and we doubt that God loves us, we doubt that God will take care of us, that he has somehow forsaken us, that our, that our sins are too big for God to forgive, or our sins are, are too little so we don't need to repent. Repent. These and many ways are ways that we tempt God. And scripture warns us that when we do this, we are clearly turning ourselves or our activities or our dreams or our stuff into idols. You shall have no other gods before me. We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. The children of Israel tempted God. But you know, they had a pretty good reason. They thought they were well justified in their impatience, and displeasure and whining and complaining. After all, God had promised them. God had promised them the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, the land of Canaan. And now it had been nearly 40 years of wilderness wandering. Any wonder that they had grown impatient along the way? For 430 years, the children of Israel were in bondage. Most of that time, they were slaves in the land of Egypt. They prayed. They cried out to God. They begged God for a deliverer. And when the time was right, God raised up Moses, the deliverer. God sent Moses to Pharaoh Let my people go. And after just a a little thing like 10 plagues, Pharaoh finally relented. The children of Israel were free, at least free for a time. They marched to the Red Sea waters, had no way to cross. Pharaoh changed his mind. Pharaoh and all of his henchmen, the horses and the chariots were coming with one thing and one thing only on their mind, to destroy the children of Israel. But God would not allow it. He put a barrier between Pharaoh and the children of Israel. He blew with a great breath from his nose and parted the Red Sea waters. The children of Israel passed through on dry ground. Can you imagine how long that must have taken? It took all night. 600,000 men plus their families passing through the Red Sea waters and after they crossed the walls of water came crashing down when Pharaoh and his henchmen tried to follow. Not only had God displayed his power and might and his love for the children of Israel in the ten plagues, God displayed his power and might and love for the children of Israel as they were passed through the Red Sea waters. Slavery, death on one side, freedom, and new life on the other. God led them to Mount Sinai, regave them his holy word, his holy law. But the children of Israel were impatient while Moses was on the mountain. They they convinced Aaron to make them a new God. A golden calf. And they committed all kinds of debauchery and licentiousness as they worshiped their new God. God was not pleased. Moses came down from the mountain bringing the Word, the wrath of God. Soon after Mount Sinai, the children of Israel went to Canaan right away. 12 spies were sent in to scout out the land. Two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb came back and said God is on our side. There is nothing we can't do without God on our side. Yes, there are other people there and it will be a difficult challenge but with God on our side we will conquer. But the ten The other ten spies said, Oh no, we can't do it. The the people in Canaan, they're like giants. There's no way that we can defeat them. The people grumbled and complained. They were impatient. They did not trust that God Would deliver to them his promise and the promised land. And for their rebellion, God said, You will wander in the wilderness for 40 years. We have many, many things recorded for us that took place during these 40 years. But now here in Numbers 21, we're nearly to the end of the journey. They're almost there. They're almost to the border of the promised land. Some significant things happen right right before our text. From Mount Hor, they set out by way of the Red Sea what happened at Mount Hor? Aaron died, Eliezer was named as his replacement. The people of Israel mourned for 30 days after the passing of Aaron. In the meantime, one of the military leaders in Canaan, King Arad, got wind that the children of Israel were close. He launched a preemptive strike. And God delivered the Canaanites into the children of Israel's hand. It was a mighty victory, it was a glorious victory. They are ready to go to the promised land. But then something happened. From Mount Hor, they set out by way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. We don't need a geography lesson here. God said, don't go through Edom. Go around it. Instead of taking the direct route to the promised land, they literally had to turn their backs on the promise and the promised land and go the long way home. Can we blame them for being discouraged? Can we blame them for grumbling and complaining? So close, so close to the promised land. And now God says, one more detour. My friends, how many times in life haven't we been so close to something that we wanted? So close to something God promised. Only to see it slip through our fingers. Only to see it snatched away from us only to see it vanish or disappear. Our hopes, our plans, our dreams, our future, our 401k, here today, gone tomorrow. When life and its setbacks When trials and sufferings come our way, what do we do? Far too often we grow impatient with God. We grumble and complain. We blame God. We put God to the test if you really love me God why would you let this happen if you really care about me God why didn't you do this why didn't you stop that far too often we have failed to cling to the promises of God and trust That his word, his promise, his love is never ending. We can't really blame the children of Israel because we are the children of Israel far too often. So what happened? Seems like a rather harsh reaction from God. He sent poisonous snakes into their camp, poisonous asps. They would bite with a painful bite, but the people wouldn't die immediately. They would linger in pain as the poison worked its way through the bloodstream. And as God sent these poisonous snakes, because He loved the children of God, but because He did not want them to die in their sin, because He wanted them to repent, the children of Israel realized. What they had done. The people came to Moses and said. We have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord. And against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The the antidote. To tempting God. The flip side of Tempting God is to repent to confess our sin and believe that God in his love and mercy can and will forgive us that's what the children of Israel did they begged for mercy Moses prayed to God what did the people want well of course the people wanted the snakes to be gone get rid of the serpents they're biting us and we're dying and what did God do he didn't do exactly what the people wanted he did not take the serpents away instead he gave Moses perhaps one of the most ridiculous jobs In the history of jobs. He says make a bronze serpent. You know a copy of the ones who are biting you. Make a bronze serpent. Put it on a pole. Lift it high in the air. And then tell the people. Not to look at the snakes. Not to look at their wound. But to look to the bronze serpent on the pole. And if you look to the bronze serpent on the pole, you will live. Any who thought that God's command and Moses' job were ridiculous died in their sin. But many, oh so many, believe the word of God. Believed the promise that God had attached to a fake snake on a stick. They looked to the bronze serpent on the pole and they lived. Because God's word is true. Because God's word will never disappoint. Because God's word is a powerful word to save. My friends for all of the times when we have tempted God for all of the times when we thought we had better words than the Word of God for all of the times when things have not gone the way we wanted the way we planned and we've gotten bitter turned our backs on God blamed him for all of the times That we have failed to thank God for the blessings that we have in our lives. For all of these sins and more. Jesus gives us today a bronze serpent on a pole. I don't know what snakes are biting you right now. I don't know what pain or what suffering or what disappointment or what heartache is filling you right now. I don't know what ways you are being tempted to tempt God. You pray and you pray, take this away from me. And God says, I give you my son. Because just as that bronze serpent was lifted high into the air, my son, my only son whom I love, Jesus the Christ, nailed to an old rugged cross, lifted high, suspended between heaven and hell, look to him and live. Look to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Look to Jesus Christ for life and life everlasting. God will not always take the snakes that are biting us away, but he will always, always, always point you to Jesus for the forgiveness that you need, for the life everlasting that is guaranteed by his bloody death And glorious resurrection. He promises that he will never leave you. Nor forsake you. And he promises that when you are tempted. He will always. Give you a way out. My friends. That way out. Is hearing the word of God. And believing it. Today, God delivers to us the most beautiful promise that the world has ever heard. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son, that as you believe in him, you have life and life everlasting. Thanks be to God, amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives in Christ Jesus, our Lord, amen.